Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. I'm Gina Robinson. And I'm Eric Robinson. And we are beginning today with Zechariah 9. And um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a new section, more of a poetic section. Right. That we haven't seen before in Zechariah. Right. We've been reading a bunch of stuff that looks a lot more like what we're used to calling prose, obviously. Um, And so just paragraph after paragraph, very uh, well-built oracles that that have been said by Zechariah and seen by him and he's just built those together but it's in a very prose sounding style whereas now and even if you're looking in your Bibles and you're looking at something like an ESV such as we're using you're going to notice that in 9 and 10 through 11 3 there's very much a poetic feel coming out even in the way it's written down on the page and so it, it has a different look to it and uh, but it's just as strong of course in uh, the meaning that it's bringing to the people who are reading it and so even though poetry can seem a little different to us when we're reading it sometimes the biblical poetry is just powerful and mm, prophetic it's beautiful and this perfect, part we're going to yeah. read today is uh, such beautiful typology of Christ and yep. we are excited to um look at that today and oh yes uh, it will give us a lot of hope i think yeah so. absolutely we will and we will hear a couple of things uh should stand out even to our listeners even if you haven't heard a whole lot about the old testament but be but you know some stuff about jesus you're probably going to hear something in here in our reading today that's really just going to jump off the page mm-hmm. because it'll be so clear hey that's about jesus uh, and so pretty cool. i think you'll like it yeah so why don't we go ahead and start our reading and we'll go from 9 1 to 10 1 Okay. All right. The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind, and on all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it. Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a rampart, and heaped up silver like dust, and fine gold like the mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike down her power on the sea, and she shall be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid. Gaza too, and shall writhe in anguish. Ekron also, because its hopes are confounded. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It too shall be a remnant for our God. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today 
I declare that I will restore to you double, for I have bent Judah as my bow. I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow shall go forth like lightning. The Lord God shall sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine in this in his land. For how great is his goodness and how great his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of spring rain, from the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. Okay. Good way to begin. Great uh, passage that we have to look at. And it's going to begin in chapter 9, 1, with this strong emphasis on how much God loves his people and how much he's going to, what he's going to do to make sure they're not threatened by those around them. The Lord is starting it with these this oracle against those who are surrounding his people, mm-hmm. very likely not being good to his people, not in the way that he wants them to be. And so, so that's how we're going to start out. This, uh, that little phrase, the oracle of the word of the Lord is only used three times in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is here and in chapter 12, verse 1, and in Malachi 1, 1. Okay. And that word oracle there is really hard to translate. Yeah. And it's more, it carries the sense more of a burden hmm. or something that uh, carries some dread. So there's a compulsion though he has to say it. Okay. And so that kind of helped me because I thought this is probably something that maybe he didn't really want to say, hmm, but right. he knew he had to. Yeah. It was from the Lord. And well, so. definitely that idea of burden is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and surely there were plenty of times where the uh, prophets did uh, yeah. feel like they were carrying burdens that they would rather not have to carry. But uh, this would be possibly like you're saying one of those times so the word something that had been laid on him that he had to carry to the people so certainly even though oracle is a good translation yes it's not that that word can't it's like carrying more meaning than that and so yeah um interesting that a word like oracle would also carry with it a, a possible definition like burden um and and really makes a lot of sense when you start thinking about it so we hear that his uh, first as he starts out here is against the land of hadrach now this is the only usage of that name in scripture hadrach we don't know if that's a person or a foreign god or a place but it seems like it's most likely a place because it can be paired with uh, the city of Hatarika, which would be in Assyria. Well, no, wouldn't be in Assyria, but it's in Assyrian writings. And it is in the area of Damascus in the Syrian territory. Right. Uh, and so Damascus it would go along the with the fact that he's bringing right. up Damascus. Yes, Damascus being the capital of Syria. He's bringing up Damascus right alongside Hadrach here. 
so it's probably that same city. And traditionally throughout history, Israel has trouble with Syria. Mm-hmm. So that's no surprise that that right. would be. And the point here is that Syria up. will submit to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, And it's because, you know, uh, we see because in verse 9, at the end of verse 9, 4, because the Lord has an eye on mankind and on the tribes of Israel. So the right. Lord is, is watching everything that's happening. Right. He knows what's going on. He's not going to let... Not going to let the evil be perpetrated without getting, uh, without coming to the aid of his people. Right. Yeah. So. Right. I love that. I just love that thinking about him just putting it out there. His eye is on all of mankind. He sees everything. Yeah. He's not missing anything, even though we tend to feel like, hmm, maybe he's not seeing this. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially even right now in our times, that it's so easy to think that he's not seeing everything. Yes. But he is. He sees it all. The Mm -hmm. secret things, the things that are hidden, the things that are out there, he sees it all. Right. And it's in his control. That's right. Absolutely something to remember. Um, And so then he talks about Hamath, which would be in that same area, another uh, city, which would be in that same area. And then he brings up Tyre and Sidon again mm-hmm. to kind of that northwest corner of Israel, right up on the sea area there. And so he really goes on about Tyre in verse three and four, mm-hmm. because Tyre had become a very rich city and was really, really good with foreign trade. And they sat right out there in the water, basically. Um, so it was very defensible. And they are very proud. You know, you can see kind of the implication in verse three, Tyre has built herself a rampart. They are very proud of their defenses there and they were a very defensible city. Um, But eventually, of course, they would be completely wiped out by Alexander the Great, which wouldn't take place until 332. But still, uh, when they were wiped out, they were, it was severe. It was really severe. Um, And so... So God's not going to let them have the upper hand forever. They're not going no to No matter their human wisdom. You know, it says here they, they're very wise. Yes. They are wise in the way that they can uh, defend themselves. Yes. And they and think the they're very... the way that they can make money. Right. They've done uh, great at that. But that yeah. is not beyond God. No, right. He's going to come and, come and bring retribution arrogance. no matter how wise or well defended they are. Uh, and so, uh, just to make sure everybody's aware, also, Tyre is becomes very helpful. Those in Tyre and the king of Tyre becomes very helpful to both David and Solomon in the early building of the temple and so forth. So it wasn't that Israel has never had good relations with Tyre, but relations have obviously degraded, uh, and uh, so they are not at the same place they were before. And Tyre is not apparently treating Israel nearly like it needs to, or treating the world probably too, like it needs to. Mm-hmm. And uh, God's just not going to let it go on forever. So yeah, great point. Um, doesn't matter how rich or how wise you are. God in, sees In man's everything. eyes, yeah, right. Man's he sees eyes. everything and he's going to put it all right at some point. Yes. Um, so then we get into verse five and following, and now we hear about somebody else who's also been a threat to Israel in the past. And verse five is a very strong chiasm. Yes. And it uses three cities in verse five that are 
big strong cities of the Philistines, Ashkelon, Gaza, and Ekron. And it uses them in that chiastic fashion. Ashkelon, then Gaza, then Ekron, then back to Gaza, then back to Ashkelon. Yeah. So verse five Ekron has that. He has them with Ekron in the middle. Yeah. Which is their northernmost city. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then in verse six, it jumps for to a fourth of their cities, which mm-hmm. would be Ashdod. And then it brings out Philistia as a whole, right in the line right after that. So for the Philistines, we know about them. They, they've, they've been constant yes, enemies of God's right. people. Always. Uh, I mean, that's, in their sides. that's where Goliath came from. Yep. It's, Correct. So yeah. we don't, yes, even if you don't know right off who that name Philistines is, just think, think Goliath who fought David. <laughs> These are the people that we're talking about. And they're used to not, they don't have the same laws, obviously, as the Israelites, the same kind of dietary laws that God gave to the Israelites. And um, they were looked at, you know, for various reasons, not looked at well by the Israelites, but not the least of those would be the fact that they ate blood and uh, bloody meat and everything that was in about, uh, that that was about and the dietary restrictions and so forth. And they didn't have those. And so... God uses words that bring that to mind to point Mm -hmm. out what he's going to do with them. In verse 6, I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It's been out devouring other nations like Israel and so forth. God's not going to let that go. But then there's this, the next line is very shocking, I would think, at least to the people. It too shall be a remnant for our God. Whoa! It shall be like a clan in Judah. Yeah. Strange, strange. And what? Ekron will be like the Jebusites. Oh, man. And the Jebusites at one point were... Um, they owned Jerusalem right. before David came and took it over. The Jebusites did and even taunted him when he was trying to take it over, you know, saying there's no way you can get in here. But Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 through 9, tell that story. But then also 2 Samuel 24, 18 through 24, proves that some of those Jebusites were just absorbed into the people of Israel. Because this seems to be a very good Jebusite that David's having dealings with in chapter 24 of 2 Samuel. So apparently there were Jebusites who were just absorbed in, became part of the people. Definitely the reference here. Yep. And so, so God says... Ekron shall be like the Jebusite. Whoa, so the Philistines are also, they're going to have people who will become part part of of our people. But that's what it says. It too shall be a remnant for our God. Now that's just nothing but mercy and grace. Right. I mean, he's pointed out here in this first section of chapter nine, two of the big enemies of God's people. Yep. Um, And now he's saying... Uh, might even really say three yeah yeah probably yeah Yeah. we kind of got syria uh, Syria, and then the tire in that area and and then then the philistines and how they're going to have this retribution but then now he's saying that they too may be part of the remnant Mm -hmm. some of them correct um so lots of lots of grace and mercy here as we get to the end and we hear this about the philistines well, then we go into this passage, this the part of the passage that's very, uh, re- sounds much more joyous, joyful, potentially great for 
Zion, really Jerusalem, joyful, what's yeah. coming, really joyful. Yeah, really joyful. So, like I'm imagining people dancing in the streets. Oh yeah, this is a this, wonderful oracle. The king is coming. Yes, the king is coming. What they've been waiting for. They would love for this king, this Davidic king, to return. Their idea of what the Davidic king should be and will be. Verse nine: Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, which is quoted in Matthew twenty-one five and John twelve fifteen, very specifically about Jesus and his entrance into Jerusalem. Right. Now, a couple of things that can be noted here: the righteousness really points us place of the king. Really points us back to places like Jeremiah twenty-three five, where he talks about just how. Righteous, this king is that God's going to bring, and that He's going to have salvation. And then the word "humble" here is an inter super interesting word, I think, because it's the same word that gets used in Isaiah fifty three verse four and fifty three verse seven for afflicted, yes. where we're hearing about the servant of the Lord who's going to be afflicted. And that is such a clear passage about Jesus、mm-hmm. and His being afflicted on our behalf, which is what's going to happen. So it really carries with it not just the humility, but the suffering that's going to be done by this King, right? Which is super, super strange. It's not strictly maybe part of this passage to talk about the suffering, and yet, and yet I think, and yet I think this, it's there the thought that this King us, has been through something. Yes. Difficult, yes, and is now coming in victory.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, to them, absolutely, right. So definitely, I think that's there. It's a it's a great thing, just a great small part, but it's there. And so、uh, this donkey idea, you know, coming on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. David rode on a donkey when he was being exiled from Jerusalem in Second Samuel sixteen two by his own son, who wouldn't. Accept his kingship anymore,、right. and so that was just a precursor to what was going to happen to Jesus, who rides in a donkey, but he's not received by those who、right. should receive him as king.、So. Right, and I've read that it wasn't、um, that that wasn't a thought、uh, for, especially for、um, Israelite kings、mm-hmm. to be on a donkey, but it was partly because of the prophetic.、Um, Uh, what am I trying to say?、Uh, the prophets being against the horses of、okay. the foreign lands, right? And so foreign kings rode horses, okay. But that maybe、uh, they were more、Same. likely to wear don or to wear to ride donkeys as a sign of humility, right? Okay. And so the so maybe not as foreign an idea to a. To an Israelite context, but yet because of this reference here, because of what happens, and to it may David, have been because of David. Yes, then it. Whenever Christ does it, even though it may not be completely foreign, there's no way their minds are not. Oh no, they would have seen that these pieces.、Right. Yeah. So, whenever he,、uh, the king's going to come in, he's going to rule. In end of verse ten, shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Yes. 
So, Which and he's a, also speaking peace to the nations right Which before is a direct that. quote so, from Psalm 72, 18. Yep, so. exactly. Or so eight, he's going to have universal authority. He's not just going right. to be a, a, a king in Israel, it doesn't sound like. He's, no. It sounds like he's going to have universal authority. Right. And to the nations. Yeah. He will be peace speaking peace to, the, to nations. the nations. Now that, of course, we can hear very clearly, oh, when that really came about, that was Jesus inviting the Gentiles into what he had done to rescue all peoples. Um, but you couldn't get that full picture until you had seen it in Christ. Right. No way. Right. So, We're looking back. Yep. And we can see all of this. Yes. Which they is couldn't what the, really the, see everything. Uh, right. Exactly. But And it's what I think the disciples would have gone back to this mm-hmm. passage and went, oh, that's what that means. Look at this. Mm-hmm. He is can you trying imagine to speak their peace to all the nations. When yes. they're reading their scriptures, scriptures and, seeing, and seeing all of it unfold before their eyes. Absolutely. So. Got to be beautiful. Yes. Sometimes we take that for granted, I think. Right. I think so, too. So. Verse 11 says, as for Even you in also. Ver- can I go back to verse 10 sure. just real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, just right there, it goes from speaking in third person to first person. Mm-hmm. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. Um, I think that's the Lord speaking. That's Yahweh is taking initiative, not okay. the king. Not about so the king. it's Yahweh who's doing it all through this king. But, oh, yes. yes. Yeah, this is Yahweh's action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we out. get to that, um, I will. he's going to set prisoners free from the waterless pit in verse yes. 11. Um, it's going to be because of the blood of my covenant, the blood of the covenant, which yes. is only used a couple of times in the Old Testament and then gets picked up by Jesus again. Uh, and so that whole blood of my covenant phrase. Yes, that's a very important. I mean, Jesus uses here, that in the Lord's Supper. Exodus 24, mm-hmm. 8. And then Mark 14, 24. Yes. And that's pretty much it. So, yeah, Jesus picks it up again. And uh, so he's going to return. He's going to tell the prisoners to return to their stronghold. Today, I declare that I will restore to you double. And then again, Judah and Ephraim get paired up. Just like Ephraim and Jerusalem got paired up in verse 10. They get paired up here, which seems to indicate a bringing back together of all of his people. Oh, Judah is the bow and Ephraim's the arrow. Yeah. So they need each other. They're gonna have they to need to work together. work together. Yeah. And then you get to verse, uh, the end of verse 13, and it does have this reference to Greece. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, and against your against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. And just so we know, um, this was not, this reference to Greece has been taken to mean that this must have happened much later and so the book would be dated much later than it's traditionally dated which is uh, more like around the early 5th century well there's no reason to believe as a matter of fact it's made clear in you know ancient history that Persia was already having issues with Greece at the beginning of the 5th century. Greece was already rearing its head and causing problems for Persia. So the fact that there's a reference to Greece here being being the kind of strong nation that could cause trouble is no surprise. Right. And the fact that um, God would put that in the words of his prophets yeah. so that it would be yeah. relevant forever. Yeah. Uh, it's not surprising to me. Yeah. And and eventually when the sons of Zion are stirred up against the sons of Greece, uh, that is the Hasmonean 
revolt, the, um, the Hasmonean dynasty begins under the Maccabees. Uh, that's how, that's where that truly comes to its biggest fruition right there. And so, I, I, I just have written here too, the Lord has not been disarmed. Right, right. He's, um, you know, and his weapons, I know this sounds kind of, uh, it uses war type imagery, but it's already told us that he's coming as a king of peace. So yeah. um, this is spiritual imagery. Spiritual imagery is mm-hmm. great. Yes, I like to point that out too. Um, and then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow go forth like lightning. I'm in verse 14. And the Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. Lord of hosts will protect them and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones and they shall drink and roars of drunk with wine and shall be full like a bowl drenched like the corners of the altar. So this idea They're going to put that, down their weapons, the sling stones, well, and be able to just walk over them. Yeah, I, Or are I, those the weapons? Of I the think enemies? those are being used against them. Okay. Um, so they're just going to walk stones. over them. They're going to, because the enemies will have put them right, down. Right. Well, yeah. Or the, yes, that would be more like it. The enemies <clears throat> will have put them down or the enemies won't even be able to, they'll be throwing them at them, but right. they won't even make a difference. They'll okay. just walk right over them. And uh, then God's going to and there's turn, gonna be his, like a victory turn the enemies into a sacrifice. Um, the, their enemies will be like a sacrifice for them, I think is where it's going in verse okay. 14. So the imagery that's being carried forth there is strong defeat of your enemies type mm-hmm. imagery. Um, but again, we hear that in a spiritual context eventually so that Jesus has truly put down all of our enemies. Yes. And those who don't submit to him of course, are utterly defeated yes. by him. And, uh, okay. and that's something we must remember. We're people of peace. He is the ultimate victor of everything. Then, uh, just to make sure we make it through the end here, verse 16, 17, and then 10, 1. We're hearing this God, what he's doing for his people, mm-hmm. that he's come like a shepherd to tend his flock, the flock of his people in verse 16. His people are, are like the jewels of a crown. Yes, which harks back to like Exodus 28, 12 and 21, where the people of God, the tribes are depicted uh, as gemstones on the high priest's mm-hmm. breastplate. Uh, and then this flock, of course, imagery is going to keep going all the way through chapter 13. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear a lot more about this. We're getting into a shepherd yes. imagery here, so, which I'm looking forward to. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, beautiful. And I just love verse 17 for how great is his goodness and how great his beauty. And then it's just telling how there's going to be this great abundance and God is going to provide the rain for there to be. Yes. Um, this flourishing of yes. grain and wine. Rain and wine. And bread you hear and wine. bread and wine. And, yep, we hear it coming um, out there. The yep. beauty there. So yeah. um, the Lord's victory is certain, and he intends to bring back to himself peoples that have been long alienated from him. Yes. That's and do it in kind of here. servant fashion. Yes. yes. Um, and so something to <laughs> definitely be remembered. He's going to come. It's going to be afflicted, but also the king at the same time who comes in and does what must be done in order to rescue his people. Mm-hmm. And we just can't forget that his eyes are seeing everything. Seeing everything all the and time. And that he's coming. He's I mean, he's already come. He's coming again. Yes. And we are living in that time. These people are 
living in a time when they have been in exile mm-hmm. and they may still be kind of living like that. Right. It would and be a hard mindset. I think he's know. calling them to see something bigger mm-hmm. that they really have been um, saved yes. from their captivity. Correct. And they I should be so. rejoicing in him. So for sure. Thank y'all for putting up with us today. We are at the end uh, of our COVID. And so if there was coughing, we apologize. (laughs) (laughs) We're uh, we're just getting over the end of our ugly bout with this thing. But um, anyway, this passage, though, fascinating stuff. Wonderful because it does have that strong Jesus reference to writing in an occult in it. And so allowing that to speak to us about the whole of the passage, letting that say, okay, if that part's about Jesus, then what, then it's all what should I see? Yeah. Yes, in the rest of this, that's really pointing to him. And so in some way it all is, it's talking about him. And that's where we keep directing y'all. Uh, we will continue to do that. And we'll be getting going through chapter 10, verse 2 through 11, verse 3 next time. And we really look forward to uh, talking to you some more. So be safe. Keep yourself and your family safe, and we look and look forward to talking to y'all next time, okay? Thanks.